All right, well, uh, as we get started, I'm going to try my best to stay out of trouble. So, uh, as you guys are, are uh, settling in and, and we're getting uh, rolling this evening, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. We're finishing up Luke chapter 4 uh, this evening, so go ahead and make your way there. And uh, while you guys are finding your way there, I want to point out tonight the, the things that we're going to be talking about. We're looking at Jesus again, uh, and Jesus is dealing with a couple of things. Jesus is dealing with a mother-in-law and demons. And there were all kinds of ways I thought I could make jokes about that, and I decided, or I guess realized that we're on the internet and my mother-in-law in Virginia can uh, watch, so I'm not going to make any of those jokes. So you guys just fill your own jokes in there. But uh, we're going to be talking about how Jesus uh, healed Peter's mother-in-law and then cast out demons. So uh, if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago when we were in the verses before this in Luke, uh, we were looking at Jesus. He, he entered into the city of Capernaum, and as he was there, he went into the synagogue. And so the first uh, week that we were looking at Jesus in town, uh, he went into the synagogue and, and healed a man that was possessed by a demon. And so uh, at this point now, we, we see this week Jesus is leaving the synagogue and going into the rest of the town. And so we are going to, uh, to, to read the whole chunk now. Uh, I want let's, to, let's look at the story together. So uh, we're going we're gonna to read the whole chunk and then we will dig in a little bit. So uh, let's pick up. I'm going to move back and see if that helps. I don't, am I doing anything wrong? Okay, all right. All right, let's read uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 44 is what we're going to be looking at this evening. It says, uh, Then he got up and left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and she immediately got up and waited on them. While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and laying his hands on each one of them he was healing them demons also were coming out of many shouting you are the son of god but rebuking them he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the christ when day came jesus left and went to a secluded place and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them but he said to them i must preach the kingdom of god to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for, um, God, for your word. We thank you for Jesus's ministry that we can look at and consider uh, again this evening as we, uh, God, as we, as we close our mouths and open our ears to hear from you. So God, we pray uh, tonight that you would speak, God, that you would work in us, that you uh, would open our eyes to the greatness of Jesus and the greatness of who you are and help us to look for ways that that just fits really clearly uh, in uh, where we're at in life. So uh, God, we give tonight we pr to you and we pray that you would speak and that you would move and that you would use it. Uh, and we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, so let's, uh, let's dig in a little bit. So the first thing that we're going to look at, we're going to look at the first two verses in verse 38 and 39, where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. So in, in verses 38 and 39, it said that he left the synagogue and he entered Simon's home. And Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a fever, and he rebuked the fever, and she was healed. So Simon in this passage is Simon Peter. Uh, a little bit later in the, the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke points out the fact that uh, his name was Simon Peter, and, and Jesus gave him that name Peter and, and kind of continued to call him Peter 
uh, from that point moving forward. But this is the same Peter that uh, was one of the 12 disciples that went around with Jesus and uh, spoke before he thought a lot of the time and, and jumped right in and, and got in there on all kinds of stuff. So this is Peter's mother-in-law that is being uh, healed. And uh, just, a, a, I guess, a fun little uh, let's point it out. We probably don't stop and think about the fact that the apostles, many of them had families. And so uh, Peter, the fact that he has a mother-in-law means that he was married. And we know that uh, is, is kind of affirmed in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, where Paul says, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the bro- brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Talking about Peter. Uh, so we see all of that to say, we see Dr. Luke bring out uh, this detail, that this, this instance where Jesus uh, comes and heals this woman that has a great fever or a high fever, depending on your translation. And I want to remind all of us as we are sitting here reading this, Dr. Luke, the physician, the, the medical doctor, is the one that's writing our account. And so if we've got a medical doctor pointing out she had a high fever this isn't just uh, somebody shrugging their shoulders and saying, well, I, you know, I, I don't know what is going on with her. Luke was obviously concerned about her fever because uh, it, it was bad enough for him to point out that this one's, guys, this one's a bad fever. And so when Luke points that out, this isn't just a common cold. This isn't just a common flu. This woman is down and out. She is really struggling with this fever. And uh, it, they, they, they must have been desperate by this point because as uh, they come to Jesus, they're, they're asking for a miracle. They're saying, Jesus, this isn't just something that we're going to wait out and, and tomorrow it's going to get better. Uh, this is something, God, Jesus, we need you to heal her. And so uh, they come to Jesus and they're asking for a miracle. And so Jesus comes into the home. And what I, in verse 39, I just, I, I love this little detail. It says, he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've never experienced a fever that talked back to me or or a fever that has ears and a mind and and responds to conversation. I've never talked to a fever and had it respond to me. But Jesus, he stands up over top of this woman and he says, fever, stop it. And the fever responds. The the fever breaks instantly. And and, uh, while this fever isn't necessarily a, a conscious being, last week or two weeks ago, we saw the demons that Jesus spoke to this demon and it responded to him. Well, this week now we look at Jesus speaking to a fever and it responds to him. Uh, Jesus's uh, power that, that he carries in his word, that he carries in his voice, this is the same power with which uh, at the beginning of time, God uttered light and light was cast into the darkness. And, and he said, water, and, and water appeared. And he said, plants or, or animals, or, all of the creation was created by the power of this same voice, this same word. And now we see here, a couple of weeks ago, we saw Jesus casting out demons with the power of that word. Here we see him address a fever, a sickness, and with just the power of that word, it's cast out. It reminds me also of, of Luke chapter 8 that we're going to see in uh, a few weeks coming up that uh, Jesus spoke to a storm in the same way. He spoke to the wind and said, wind, stop it. And all of creation obeys him. Whether it's the wind, whether it's disease, whether it's demons, whether it's people, whatever it is, when, when, when God speaks with authority, nature listens. The demons listen. We will listen when he speaks with authority in our lives. So he rebukes this illness and the woman is restored to life. And what's she do? 
You guys see what she does in, in those verses? It says that she was healed, that she was restored, and that she immediately begins serving them. The healing had to be instant and complete for her to immediately get up and, and run off to go start taking care of them and serving them. This isn't Jesus giving her a 14-day antibiotic and telling her uh, to, to eat chicken soup and, and, and stay hydrated and stay in bed and you'll, you'll get better. No, this is in a moment this woman who was probably fearful for her life to the point where Luke, the doctor, says this is serious instantly gets up and begins to, to care for Jesus and, and for those who were with him. It not only testifies to her recovery, but it also testifies to her gratitude. It, it points out a detail that I, I don't think we should blow past and miss because uh, appropriate response to what Jesus does at work in her life was gratitude. It, it was service. It was, it, it was responding in generosity back to him. That's probably a good lesson for all of us, isn't it? To, to pause, and, and when we realize, when we see Jesus at work in our lives, we, we don't just blow past it, but we, we respond in gratitude, and we respond in service. Serving is not an option for a Christian. If we truly understand how much God has done for us, how much Jesus has done for us, and the way that he has saved us, and the way that he works in our lives day in and day out, and we so often just miss it and ignore it, and for whatever reason, we don't pause and acknowledge it, we should probably slow down a little bit more and acknowledge it with, a, with a, a thankful heart and a responsive heart and a serving heart like we see here from Peter's mother-in-law. Serving is not, an is not an option for a Christian. It's an obligation because of all that Jesus has done for us. We can never serve enough to give back to Jesus all that he has given to us. So let's not blow past that and miss that detail. But we see here Jesus heals first the mother-in-law. Next, we see in, in verses 40 and 41, Jesus turns his attention from the mother-in-law to the rest of the townspeople. Jesus heals the townspeople. Let's read verses 40 and 41 again and then uh, see what they've got to say to us. It says, While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God, but rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. The, the word of the synagogue miracle that we, that we talked about two weeks ago, uh, it, it certainly spread quickly through town. The, the news of what Jesus had done in the synagogue days earlier has reached its way to the rest of the town, to the point where everybody who's sick now has something that they need to to come and, and bring to Jesus. If they've got a sick uncle or a sick child or a, a sick uh, grandparent, they, guys, go, go, go get grandma and bring her. This guy's healing people. If he has the power to, to, to speak to this demon and tell it to go away and it went away, we got to bring grandma. We got we to have this guy heal her too. And so uh, it, it says here in these verses that the city is just pouring all of their sick people out. And as the sun is going down, they're, they're, I have to just imagine they're, they're lighting candles, they're uh, getting ready. This, this isn't a quick night where uh, he got to go to bed early. Jesus is healing and, and touching and laying his hands on people and healing them person after person after person. The suffering masses probably lined up at Peter's door as the sun is going down and every manner of disease was probably there. 
probably had some people who had to be carried, had some people who were groaning and in misery as they were being brought to Jesus, but they knew they had to come to this guy. They, they had to come see Jesus because Jesus had changed the lives of, of other people like them, and so they didn't want to miss out on it. And so we had all of the sick from the city of Capernaum coming out to see Jesus in this moment. Wholesale healings, wholesale miracles, there, there, there were none that were left out. There were none that were left behind. There are times in Scripture where Jesus says, you get to be healed and, and I don't have time to stop, or, or there's other reasons why he didn't heal everyone. But this isn't one of those instances. We see here Jesus, everyone's getting healed. Everyone gets touched. It's just this unrestrained display of raw, just power. The power of Jesus in this moment to, to, to come and to reach into this city and to touch and to heal all of their sick is an incredible picture. It's, a, it's a, a poignant, memorable night. This is something that we can't just blow past and miss. But sadly, this incredible picture of Jesus coming and, and, and healing so many also has a, a note of tragedy in it because people who would break their necks to get there to, to, to bring their sick relative or to bring their sick child or to, to, to bring their diseased or, or people that were physically in pain. They, they would bring those people to Jesus, but the people that would break their necks to get to Jesus, the healer, are the same people who will scarcely move to, to reach out to Jesus, the Savior. Alexander McLaren, he, he said, talking about this, he said, Offer men the smaller gifts, and they will run over one another in their scramble for them. But offer them the highest, and they will scarcely hold out a languid hand to take them. We have to be careful of this trap. We, we have to be careful of this reality of following Jesus because of what he can do for us. These people that were coming, that, that, were, that were seeking Jesus that night, Jesus was able, he had the power to heal all of their diseases. He did heal all of their diseases, everything that was wrong with any of them. A touch, a touch, a touch. Just a word for Simon's mother-in-law. He was able and willing to heal all of their needs. But we have to be careful not to just come to Jesus for the show, not to just come to Jesus for the thing, not to just get something. It's great that he was healing people, but that's not ultimately the biggest reality that Jesus has come to give people. We know him far more importantly as Savior than physician. So as we look at this, I also want to pause and note the demons' responses to him. In response to the demons' shouts, Jesus silenced them with a simple rebuke. Enough. Stop. And in that moment, just as he had done with the unclean spirit back at, at the synagogue a few verses earlier, just as he had done by speaking to the fever, just as he's going to do in a few chapters and speaking to the wind and the waves and the storm in Luke 8, Jesus had the power of God at work in him and in the power of just a moment, of just a word, he brought an end to the demon's power in those individuals' lives and he brought an end to all of these diseases. This is important because Scripture teaches, and, and we see it in our own experiences here on earth, we face very serious danger. 
very serious trouble, very serious problems that, that if we look around and, and pause and acknowledge, we face powerful enemies, don't we? The, the broken world that we live in, we live in a world where sin has fractured everything. It means that disease runs rampant, that, that people are truly sick, that, that people really do have pain, true, meaningful, physical pain that they have to deal with because we live in this broken world. But Jesus has power over that. We face and live in a world where evil is a very real problem. It's a very real reality that we have to deal with because all you have to do is turn on the news for a couple of minutes, open up a newspaper, and you'll see terrible news, it seems like, on a daily basis. Things that just don't make any sense whatsoever to people who stand for justice or stand for goodness or, or stand for kindness in the world. I can't think of uh, anything more obvious to illustrate that than that story of that little child who was gunned down at point-blank range because he rode his bike too close to his neighbor's property in the past week or two. We live in an evil world. We live in a place where this is a very tangible, very real problem that we have to wrestle with. Evil is at work around us. Spiritual enemies that we face, that evil is not just a, a cosmic force. It's a very real, very personal reality that exists. The spiritual enemies that we face are not petty cartoons. They're, they're not powerless, feeble cartoons like Wile E. Coyote or, or, or other villains like Snively Whiplash that, that, that are just foiled at every time. Ah, oh, drats! Superman, you got me again, Lex Luthor. They're, they're not just cartoon villains. They are very real, very powerful, very, very serious forces that are at work in the world. But you know what we see here in these verses? We see here in these verses that that in spite of how serious, how powerful evil and the evil forces and, and the enemy that we face, no matter how powerful those things are, Ephesians talks a lot about that. If we had kept going from what we talked about last week. Ephesians talks about how serious, how, how powerful those forces of evil are. But you know what we see in these verses? We see that with just a word, Jesus is able to say, enough, out, demon, out. Sickness, gone. Fever, no more. The power that Jesus holds in just a single word is enough that, that it conquers any problem that, that is brought before him. All that is needed for Jesus to, to win victory in this cosmic battle, just a, just, just a little, no more. Nope, your time's done. Nope, not today. We see here that Jesus holds incredible power in simply a word. Finally, let's look at the last few verses. We, we're going to look at Jesus' need to, to not just heal the mother-in-law, not just heal the town, but to heal the world. Let's read verses 42, 43, and 44 together. It says, When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. It says that 
that he, he came, he healed everyone, and the time came for him to, to go to the next town, for him to, to retreat from Capernaum, to, to retreat from this city and to go to the next one. And they didn't want him to leave. Can you blame them? Jesus came and, and every disease and every sickness and every problem that they faced in their entire city basically had been healed in a night. Wait a second. We can't let that guy get out of town. He needs, he, he needs to stay here. We're going to be the city with all the healthy people that live forever because Jesus is going to stay here with us forever. We can't let this guy go somewhere else. But Jesus says, no, 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 I must go. My purpose is bigger than, than just being here and, and, and curing the pains that you're facing. Jesus absolutely cares about the pains that we face, absolutely cares about the problems that are going on in people's lives because we saw it. He, he spent a whole night healing and resolving the problems in everyone's life in Capernaum, but now it's time he has a bigger mission. He ultimately has to, to keep going. He says, I must preach the kingdom of God. This is the first occurrence where that expression, kingdom of God, shows up in the book of Luke. It's a phrase that will occur 37 more times in the book of Luke. The, the gospel of Matthew mentions it earlier. It's in chapter 4 in Matthew. It's in chapter 1 in the gospel of Mark. It's a theme that we see throughout all of these gospels, all of the, the, the stories of Jesus. He, he comes to bring the kingdom of God to the world. This expression, kingdom of God, it, it's important for us to, to get a good grasp on that, though, for a minute. Because I think there's a picture that probably shows up in a lot of people's minds, and I, I want to make sure that we don't have just a, a, a small part of what that kingdom of God means. It's important for us to understand that, that phrase, kingdom of God, as a, a dynamic word rather than a static one. See, it, evolve, it involves the dynamic reign of God. Everywhere that God has power, that's where the kingdom of God is. It's not just a, a territory. In, in Scripture, when it talks about the reign of someone, the, the kingdom of someone, usually it talks about, it's, it's referring to the scope of their power, the, the scope of their rule, the, the scope of their influence. It's not talking about physical boundaries. It's not talking, we're not talking about property lines and county lines and, 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 and national borders. We're talking about where the rule of someone exists. And so for us to talk about the kingdom of God, for us to understand the kingdom of God in that mindset, well, it, it makes the kingdom of God a lot bigger, doesn't it? It makes it a lot bigger than just boundaries, just physical walls or, or physical borders. The kingdom of God was proclaimed by Jesus and Luke as a present reality, that Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God into people's hearts that would receive it in that moment, in that time. But it's also spoken of several different times as a future hope, right? As a future reality that, that one day the kingdom of God will come and will reign and, and, and all will be made right in the world again. That sickness will be no more, that, that death will be no more, that evil will no longer exist. All of these things that, that, that we deal with on a regular basis, that we struggle with, that we wrestle with, that we grieve we grieve sickness, we grieve pain, we, we grieve all of these things. And one day, the kingdom of God is going to come and is going to be a reality here on earth, in a, in a new earth, excuse me. The kingdom of God is going to come and, and all will be made right. 
But that's not just a future promise. Jesus talked about it in the present. So when is this kingdom of God going to come? Well, the kingdom had a past manifestation. When Jesus talked about it, he, he sometimes referred to it as a past reality because ever since the beginning of time, since God spoke and the world appeared, God has been in control. It has been under the rule, under the reign, under the power ultimately of God. And so it's part of the kingdom of God. And there were times when the kingdom of God meant to refer to all of human history. There are also times when Jesus would refer to the kingdom of God in the present. When Christ was uh, walking and, and living among people and, and talking about how he was present in the lives of his children. We get to experience in the present the kingdom of God at work in our lives. When we give our lives over to Jesus, when, when we give our lives over to what God calls us to, we are experiencing practically the kingdom of God in the moment. And finally, of course, we have the kingdom of God that's coming in the future. It's already been realized in the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. It's being realized practically now in every day that we hand ourselves over to God. And ultimately, it will be fleshed out with the ultimate final uh, capstone, the, the, the final realization of God's perfect world. So we look at all of these verses as we look at Jesus healing as Jesus works in the lives of people, as he talks about bringing the kingdom of God to reality in people's lives. We look at Luke chapter four, which has been several weeks, and we're going to look at Luke chapter five here over the next several weeks. The picture that we get from Luke in these verses is a picture of a Jesus that is incredible, powerful cosmically authoritative uh, beyond anything that we can imagine or, or dream of who has come to bring the good news of the kingdom the, the good news of his perfect world to people like me and people like you as I tried to imagine the, the scope of this authority the, the, the reach of this authority I, 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 I tried to put pictures to it but it, Really, it, it stretches beyond what language is able to do. It, it stretches beyond what imagination is able to do. But let's try for just a minute. On a couple of mission trips down in Mexico and in, in Central America, you see big statues of Jesus from time to time. It, it brought to mind for me that uh, picture of Christ the Redeemer statue that's uh, standing overlooking Rio de Janeiro down in Brazil. That gigantic statue, I, I've seen... Uh, one's smaller than that, but still far bigger than anything else that we've seen in our normal lives. These pictures of Jesus of, wow, look at this incredible statue of Jesus. Really, it kind of pales in comparison to ultimately the, the reality of his power, of his scope, of his reach, doesn't it? These incredible statues, they, they pale in comparison. Maybe we need to get bigger rocks. Maybe we need to get bigger statues. What if we could build a statue where uh, Jesus was not just standing on top of that mountain in, in Brazil, but if he was standing with his feet planted on the tops of two of the Rocky Mountains and, and is standing miles up in the sky, that if we were to look over at our hills in this gigantic image of Jesus standing, it would still ultimately pale in comparison to the, the reach and the scope and the power of all that he is able to do in our lives and in our world, isn't it? We could, do, we, 
we could build a statue of Jesus with one foot in the Atlantic Ocean and one foot in the Pacific Ocean that, that the statue reaches all the way into outer space. It's still not big enough. It still pales in comparison to the scope of all that Jesus is, all that Jesus controls, all that Jesus is able to do in the world. Guys, we're talking about the God who, in the beginning, spoke and stars flew out into the galaxies. The stars that, that it takes us light years and light years and millions of light years to even see, to even be able to just know that they exist. They're, we can't build a telescope big enough to show us the end. There is no end that we can get to. And God spoke and all of it just flew out in a moment. You know what we see in all of this? We see that we have a really, really, really big God. We see that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to this great king that we worship. Matthew 28, Jesus, right before he goes back to heaven, he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority. So how do we respond to these massive spiritual realities? How do we respond to this idea that, that, that Jesus has power to, in a word or in a moment or in a touch, resolve anything that was going on in the city of Capernaum in this story? The kingdom of God has such a great scope and, and such a broad reach. So what do we need to do with it? How do we respond to this? Well, the answer, I think, is given by Jesus himself in the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. The second petition of the Lord's Prayer, he says, your kingdom come. The kingdom of God, kingdom of God that we've been talking about, he says, Father, your kingdom come as he's teaching the disciples to pray. See, if, if, if this prayer, your kingdom come, is, is prayed in its fullest, Christ's kingdom authority would be properly exalted. It, it would be properly lifted up, not only collectively in our church, not only collectively in our world, but, but see, before it can get to being collectively done well by all of us, it has to happen in our own hearts, doesn't it? When we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying for a couple of things. We're, we're praying for the ultimate God, put an end to all of this. I hear so many conversations about, you know, the end's coming, right? We, we see all, it you, you, doesn't take a genius to watch the news and go, man, when is this all going to be over? You know, it's, you know it's coming, right? Some people think it's coming sooner than others, but, but I can tell you guys with absolute certainty it's coming. And I can also tell you with absolute certainty, you don't know when it's coming because there, there have been a lot of people that have thought they figured it out and, and they didn't have it figured out. But it's coming. And the kingdom of God is, is that ultimate future reality that we can look forward to when the world, the, the broken, fractured world that we live in, the sickness, the death, all of that stuff is wiped away. We, we can look forward to that. God, your kingdom come. But you know what it also means? It also means, you know, we, the, the kingdom of God is a future prayer. It's a, it's a future reality for us, but it also is a, is a present reality in our own lives. It's something that, that has to happen in us day in and day out. Your kingdom come 
Not all of that statement in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To pray your kingdom come is to pray, God, I want your will to be done in my life, not my will to be done in my life. See, when we, when we think about the big picture about heaven, that's great. We, we, we want to pray for that. God, fix it all. Please, please, please fix it all. But we also have to realize that, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means that, that my will can't be done if God's will is going to be done on earth. It means that, that, that there's some surrendering that has to take place, that, that, that we have to consciously submit and say, God, everything that I want, everything that I desire, everything that's mine, God, I, I lay it at your feet, and God, I, it's not about my will. God, I want your best. I want your work in my world. I, I want your work in my life. I, I want your will to be done in every decision that I make, in, in every moment that I have. This is not a prayer. This is not something for people that just want to stay the way that they have been. This isn't a status quo prayer where we just get to be comfortable. It's easy for us to pray for the future, the, the, the heaven kingdom of God to come. It's quite another thing for us to pray for the present kingdom of God to come and be at work in our lives and every moment of every day that, that we have to live out. Every decision that we have to make day in, day out. God, your will be done in the way that I go handle myself at work. God, your will be done in the way that I respond to my spouse. God, your will be done in the way that I uh, illustrate you to my friends. God, your will be done in the way that I treat people that I bump into on the street. God, your will be done in every decision, in every moment, in everything that I do in life. Your will be done. See, that's a lot heavier, isn't it? That's a little bit closer to home, isn't it? So the question for us tonight is, we've, we've seen this picture of Jesus. We've seen this incredible story uh, of Jesus saying, nope, disease, nope, demons, nope, uh, all of the things he has the power to go. Nope, 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 nope. Done, fixed, healed. Gone. We know that he has the power. But we also have to pause and acknowledge and realize and ask ourselves, have we ever submitted to that coming of the kingdom in our own lives? Have you surrendered and accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, that, that, that the old you would be gone, that the you that used to do what, what you wanted and what you thought was best and, and, and gave in to your sinful desires and your what you want is gone. When Jesus comes and, and, and offers us forgiveness and offers us new life, it says that the old man has passed away and a new man has come and is living in his place. Have you accepted Jesus' offer of forgiveness and put the old man to death and is there a new man standing in his place? See, that, that, that's, a, that's a question for the decision of, yeah, I, I want to be a Christian. And if that's you tonight, don't go home wondering about that. If you can't answer that with an with a absolute certain yes, I have done that, don't go home tonight. Our prayer team is going to be over here in just a few minutes, and, 
and they would love to talk through that with you. But guys, that's not just for people who haven't made that decision yet. It's also for every single one of us because in, in addition to, God, I want you to be king in my life. God, I, I want you to save me. Every moment, we have to still make the decision, right? We still have to make the decision, God, I want you to be in charge in this moment. God, I want you to be in charge in this decision. God, I want you to be Lord every moment, every thought, every response, every detail of every single day. As Paul talks about, we have to take up our cross. We have to die to ourselves every single day. Every single day, it's a new test of, no, old me is not going to win. Old me is not going to have a say. Sinful me of, of doing what I want. No. God, it's, it's yours. Here's, here's my life today. Here's my life in this moment. Here's, here, here's every bit of it. See, we have to answer that question is the kingdom of God going to be at work in us in, in the big picture of our life? Are, are you a Christian? Have you given your life to him? But we also have to answer that question. You, you can't just answer it with a big umbrella statement of, yes, I'm a Christian, but nothing that I do in my life looks like what Jesus wants me to look like. See, we, we, we can't live in both of those realities. We've got to give all of it. Lord, send your kingdom. Lord, bring the ultimate fix to all of this. God, God, send your kingdom. May the kingdom of God come. May it come tonight and, and we can all be done with all of the sickness and all of the disease and all of the death and all of the fear and all of the fighting and all of, the, all of it. Man, how wonderful would it be for 2020 to be the end? But you know what? We also have to pray, God, your will be done in my life, tomorrow morning, every opportunity. Would you guys pray with me? God, we, um, God, we need you. We need you at work in our lives. We need you at work in every moment. God, we need that power that Jesus so clearly illustrated tonight in the story. God, we need it all. We need you God, we offer our lives, as, as, as Paul talked about in Romans 12, God, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice to you. God, my, my prayer, my plea is that every moment, for each and every one of us, God, we have a choice, we have a battle at, 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 that's at work in us, that, that is in our world. God, we have a battle every moment of whether we're going to choose to follow our own flesh, our own sinful desires, or whether, God, we are going to follow you and your call on our lives. God, may we see your kingdom come not only in the broad picture, but God, in the day-to-day -day reality of every decision that we make. God, we offer our lives to you as a sacrifice, and we pray that you would be pleased with them, and we pray that you would use them. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.